So we are on part three tonight of this uh, essay from the uh, the Slonor, from the Nesiv Shalom. It's uh, from the first piece that he has on Sfiras Omer, where he's describing, he's been uh, teaching us the general perspective that we're supposed to have towards Sfiras Omer. And the idea that all the way from the first day of Pesach through Shavuos is one tkufa. It's really one period of time which is uh, which is taking place, and we're trying to go step by step. It's actually 50 days, although we don't count the first one, but we're going 50 days in order to elevate ourselves, in order to refine our character, so that ultimately by the time we get to Shavuos, we'll be on a high enough spiritual level that we should be uh, worthy recipients of the Torah. That's really what we're trying to accomplish. And with that, he answered... Uh, a, a, a number of questions that he began the essay with. And now we will pick up where we left off. And it's on the screen there now. Okay. So now it says, he concludes this uh, this paragraph. I didn't realize how close we were to the end of a paragraph last time. But he says, So, so the more effort that a person puts in to elevating and refining his character, which we'll further elaborate on in the uh, the next uh, section, both with regards to the relationship that one has with other people, as well as the relationship that one has with HaKadosh Baruch so, like with all good things, the more effort you put in, the more you're going to get out. So, the more a person works on developing themselves as a, as a person during Sriyasa Omer, so the more elevated their Kabbalah Satora is going to be. And then he says, the Gimel Hazmanim HaKadoshim Ha'elu. These three um, times, meaning Pesach, Svira Saomer, and Shavuos, they're all one continuous journey. So it's three stops of the journey, or three, uh, you know, really it's a stop over in the middle of a, of a one journey. It begins the first day of Pesach. What happens on the first day of Pesach? And here he's providing for us the, the basic structure of what actually takes place, what will be unfolding over these seven weeks from Pesach till Shavuos. So we begin, the first start is our, our, uh, our departure place is the first day of Pesach. That on the first day of Pesach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals light, he exposes light. Where he allows us, he goes out and showers us with this heavenly spiritual light, even though we're completely undeserving. So he goes ahead and he pulls back the curtain and says, listen, this is what you're capable of achieving. This is what I want you to see, because you need to know what your de- your final destination is. You need to know what the goal is. And this idea of isarusa de le'ila, those words over there, means that the 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 energy for this uh, for this spirituality, the spiritual thrust, that comes from Shemayim. It's Hashem's doing, not our doing. So that is the, what happens on the first uh, uh, the first day of Pesach, really the first night of Pesach at the Seder. And this tells us what the goal is. So now we know we have an impression 
we have this uh, the the potential to be able to achieve it specifically because it was shown to us at the seder what what our potential is what we're capable of doing. So now we know what our marching orders happens to be. That like the kashets are said that shalule harishim hazos were not that kadosh baruch in a sense modeled or walked us through this process of. Uh, of the spirituality which we can achieve bimea sphira, so then we would not be able to achieve it during sphira. So without having that that uh, that uh, knowing where we can end up with, we never be able to reach there on reach there on our own. And then vachakach. Now once we know, once that light was showered upon us, not through our efforts at all, and now we know what our potential is, what we could potentially achieve. Then comes the second part of the journey. That's the long part of the journey. That's the time of Sfiras Omer. Ubahem, and it's during that time, It's during that time that we put in the effort. So the first day, the first night of Sadak, Baruch Hu walks us through. He does everything for us and sort of carries us on his shoulders. And then once we know where we can reach, so then he goes ahead and he puts us down and says, okay, now I expect you guys to be able to climb that ladder. And I expect you to go through the process of elevating yourself day after day, step after step, so that you can eventually recreate that spiritual light through our own efforts. And that's really what we're, 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 we're hoping for, is that we should be able to achieve that through our own efforts. Because, as we said before, the more effort we put in in order to achieve this, so the more elevated will be our Yontif of Shavuos, and specifically, the more elevated will be our Kabbalah Satorah. So we'll be able to achieve more, and then that's the second part of this three steps. Give me three steps. And the final destination is the Yantiv of Shavuos and Kabbalah Satorah, Hanivne Mishvosechem. And because what we're going to sorry, what we're going to accomplish and what we're going to achieve, what we're going to be able to tap into on Shavuos is going to be a reflection of that is the cumulative effect of all of the work that we did or didn't do during Shavuos. So the more effort that we do in Shavuos, the higher, uh, during Sviras Omer, the higher our Shavuos is going to be. The less effort that we put in, so the lower our Shavuos is going to be. But that's going to be, that's the final de- destination. And we're only going to be able to get as far up the ladder. We're only going to be able to uh, go as high in the in the rungs, in the 49 rungs, as much effort as we put in. Perish me'avodas, shiva, shivuos, desvira, and that's going to be a reflection of the seven weeks of svira, the seven weeks of effort that we put in. Because, and then once we do that, then, az, huzman, shal, krav, mincha, chadash, Hashem, and it's at that point that we're going to be able to offer this new korban mincha, which he's going to elaborate on in this next section, which, as we've been saying, is going to be the reflection of how much effort we put in and how elevated a level of, of Kabbalah Sato we're going to be uh, ultimately be able to achieve. Okay, so this is so this is what our marching orders is. This is the three steps: the uh, the the departure, the the departure, the journey, and then the final destination. 
first night of, of Pesach, the Seder, and then Sfira Saomer, and then Shavuos. Now he says, also a fascinating idea, the way, and this is one of the ways that we see the beauty of Torah and how things inter, intertwine with one another and all these different ideas come together. So he says, Umaran Admor So one of the earlier Son Rebbe said, Alakasav, he said, So that is, if you read that literally, so that's the Pasuk which commands us to count Sphira Saomer. But he says, again, it's a, such a classic Hasidic way of looking at things. He says, Usfartem Milashon Evan Sapir. The term Usfartem, which really means to count, but what it means is that it's going to be, it's related etym- etymologically, I think that's the word, etymologically, with the word Evan Sapir, which is a shining, a shining jewel or a shining gem of some sorts. And that is, that usfartem uh, lachem, and therefore when we put that in context, it means es lachem. The goal of Sfiras Omer is to shine light on our personal pursuits, the personal areas of our lives. What does that mean? hagashmim. What we're trying to do is we're trying to elevate the physical parts of our lives. And he's going to contrast this with what we do. Rosh Hashanah, Aser Shemei Yom Kippur time, is going to be a different focus, but here, what we're trying to do is we're trying to elevate the physical, more mundane parts of our lives, meaning, and the primary goal in all of this is to focus on what happens after Shabbos. Because, Shabbos doesn't need us to go ahead and elevate or sanctify in any way, shape, or, fa- or fashion, because Shabbos is Kodesh by Hashem's decree. HaKadosh Baruch when he rested that first Shabbos of creation, he's the one who infused the day of Shabbos with Kedusha. So we don't need to do anything to put more Kedusha into Shabbos. We try and tap into that Kedusha. We try and expose ourselves to that and be able to receive and appreciate and enjoy the Kedusha of Shabbos, but it's not something that we infuse into the day of Shabbos that we go ahead and we create that Kedusha. That just happens automatically. But what also happens on Shabbos is being that Akash Baruch Hu infuses the Kedusha, the most Pirshur of Kedoshim, like the, our great teachers tell us, Shabbos Shabbos Kodesh on Shabbos, Afilu Inyani Lachem HaTanugim HaGashmiim, Him Gamken Kodesh. That everything which you do on Shabbos, even physical activities which one does on Shabbos, like enjoying cholent and whatnot, and enjoying Shabbos cereal for those who get Shabbos cereal, and all of those things, so even that becomes kodesh, even that becomes elevated as a result of the fact that you're having it on Shabbos. And that's why there's no comparison between having a cholent on a Tuesday night and having cholent on a Shabbos. If you have cholent on a Tuesday night, so then you're just having stew. That's what we would call it. And there's nothing special about it. There's nothing holy about it. And there's nothing elevating uh, about it. But when you go ahead and you have that food on Shabbos, where it's infused with Kedusha, even though it's the same physical activity of eating meat and potatoes and beans and barley and all of that, but it's not going to be, it, it, on Shabbos, it's going to be infused with Kedusha. And that's the nature of Shabbos. To go ahead and to be able to elevate the physical parts of our lives. And then he explains, 
skipping a couple lines. And he says this is consistent with another idea which was said by this earlier Slonim Rebbe, where, again, it's the, when you find parallels and similarities between things, so that draws our attention to what's actually taking place. So although we know, Sfiris Omer, we count 49 days, but those 49 days, although in some contexts, the Torah goes ahead and describes it as 49 days, in other contexts, it's described as seven weeks. So why not just say 49 days? Why reference it in terms of weeks at all? The bottom line is, although we do count weeks, but the bottom line is we're counting the 49 days. So 49 days happens to be, you know, uh, happens to work out well that it's seven weeks. But what is the significance of the fact that it's seven weeks? Why wasn't it five weeks or eight weeks or 10 weeks or something like that? So he says, We know that in the other holiday season on the calendar, so we have the Aser Shemei Tshuva. We have the 10 days of repentance. But of those 10 days of repentance, two of them are Rosh Hashanah, the first two are Rosh Hashanah, and the last one is Yom Kippur. So in between the first two days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you've got seven days of Tshuva in between, which are not Yontif, which are not Yontif days. So we now have this beautiful parallel between the seven days we have between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and then the seven weeks that we have from Pesach all the way until Shavuos. So he says, beautifully, So the seven weeks of Sfira, they correspond to the seven days of Tshuva that we have between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So now we see that there's this Interesting coincidence of sevens, but what is what's the lesson of that? What's the idea behind that? So he says, Vyesh Levar So the Slonaba, the Nesiva Shalom says that we can explain a beautiful idea, beautiful parallel, but at the same time, a slight difference between the seven days of Chuva of the Asir Shemei Chuva and the seven weeks of work that we do during Sphira Saomer. And we know. When, when, when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, Aser Shemei Tshuva, Yom Kippur season, so what, what's, our, what, our, what's our focus? Shetafke Yemei HaTshuva, that the focus of our attention, what we're trying to accomplish during that week, is Hulashuv Al HaChatayim. Our focus is Alchet Shechatasi blank. Alchet Shechatasi blank. Ashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu. So our focus is on our sins. So we are searching for the sins which we have committed, and we're t- trying to do tshuva for the sins. So it's a sur meira type of thing. I'm taking those bad activities that I engage in, and I'm going to try and separate myself from them. I'm going to try and stop them. I'm not going to uh, continue to allow that to be a part of my current existence. That's what we do during the other holiday season, Rosh Hashanah, Aser Shemei Tshuva, and then, uh, and then Yom Kippur. But but during the seven weeks of Sfirah Saomer, although there's a, simi- there's a similar type of process that we're going through a cycle of seven in order to elevate, over here, we're not running away from sin. During the Sfirah uh, Saomer, we're not running away from sins. We're not spending all day. It's not like Slichos or Sardim, where you get a whole, uh, you know, uh, 40 days of Slichos, which are going on. We don't do any Slichos during this uh, this time. 
Because the main thing is, usfartem lachem, count for yourself, meaning, dahainu, shehem yemei tshuva l'sakin inyanei lachem. That these are days of tshuva, so repentance is still an appropriate theme of the season, but we're not running away from sin, we're trying to elevate the physical aspects of our lives. The eating that we do and the indulgences that we, uh, that we, uh, that we engage in, in those types of things, the being lazy when we should really get up and we should uh, do, uh, do more things, those are the types of things, the private activities, not the sinful activities. That's Rosh Hashanah, Aser Shemei Tshuva, Yom Kippur time. But here what we're trying to do is we're trying to elevate the physical parts of our lives. Elu hatanugim hagashmim shel heter. We're not talking about saying by eating a double bacon cheeseburger. What we're saying is that when I made a bracha on food, I didn't have enough kavana. Or that I overindulged and I ate more than I should have in order to have the energy to make it through the rest of the day. And I did it just for the sake of indulgence, just because I want to enjoy the, uh, the pleasure. That's back to Parshas Kedoshim. What we're trying to do is we're trying to sanctify ourselves with things which are permitted. So we're not trying to stay away from usher things. What we're trying to do is we're trying to say that the things which are permitted, I'm going to make an effort to elevate them and to make them a more lofty and more spiritual uh, type of experience. Um, Right. And then he says, and in this way, we're skipping again a little bit, that we could go ahead and we could resolve a contradiction, a well-known contradiction with regards to uh, with regards to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And this is something which it's relevant for what he's talking about over here, but it's a nice thought that you could bring with you to the, uh, it's a question that you could pose at your, uh, your Pesach Seder as well. And that is, Shamur Chazal, Chazal teaches on the one hand, that Aldor that in the generation that left Mitzrayim, so one of the positive traits which they possessed is that there were no adulterous affairs which were taking place. That people were very careful in those uh, in those areas, and that's something which was a a, a a positive dimension of their existence. However, but But on the other hand. We know, and we say, I've been saying this in show for the past uh, three or four weeks already, that one of the things which we know about the uh, the state, the spiritual state of Klal Yisrael at the time of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim was the fact that they had sunk down to the 49th level of Tuma, of defilement. So on the one hand, they were elevated that they do, weren't doing things which are inappropriate, but on the other hand, they, were already, they had sunk all the way down to the 49th level of Tuma. So which are they? Are they down here? Or are they up here? Where are we going to put them exactly? And we have different indicators as far as where they were holding and what they were doing. How do we reconcile this? So he says beautifully. He says, It's not as if Kla Yisrael were engaged in prohibited activities, that they were sitting around eating double bacon cheeseburgers, and they were drinking tequila with the worm inside, and that they were doing all sorts of, uh, you know, mixed dancing, you know, things of that sort. They weren't engaged in any of those prohibited activities, which they had to stop doing. But what Chazal mean to say is they were at the 49th level of Tuma, meaning that the physical things that they were engaged in, which they were allowed to engage in, those are not considered to be spiritual pursuits. 
They didn't see breakfast as a spiritual pursuit. They didn't see sleeping as a spiritual pursuit. They didn't see exercising as a spiritual pursuit. They saw everything as physical things which are needed in order for a person to function. And they didn't appreciate how all of these things should ultimately be part of your avodas Hashem. So they didn't see in their regular mundane daily lives, they didn't see anything spiritual in any of that stuff which is going on. Again, we're not blaming them. They were slaves. They really didn't have much of a choice. But that's what we mean when we say that they were at the 49th level of Tuma. And therefore, what they needed to do in order to be able to rise to the level of being worthy recipients of the Torah, the purpose of Sirius Omer is in order to elevate, to make repairs, to infuse with spirituality activities which are essentially permitted but can be used in a more spiritual manner. Every time one eats, it can be a spiritual experience if one understands what they're doing and they think about what they're doing. Or you could just go ahead and grab a bag of chips and just shove it into your mouth as quickly as you can and uh, down the coffee as, uh, as quickly as you can and uh, you know get back to whatever your activity uh, was. So these things could be, um, it's a little strong in terms of the, the contrast, but they could either be animalistic activities or they could be spiritual activities. And the difference between them is the attitude that we bring t- towards them and what we're trying to accomplish over this period of time of Sphira Somer is we're trying specifically to go ahead and elevate them so that they should be considered more spiritual type of activities. And as we all know, that the time of Sphira Somer, this is the period on the calendar where we try and ready ourselves and prepare ourselves for Kabbalah Torah. Uh, and it's going to be impossible for a person to be able to truly experience Kabbalah Satora, receiving the Torah, the spiritual level necessary to receive the Torah, if one is not feeling in a very elevated spiritual state. And therefore, this is something which is what we're trying to do, is we're trying to, we have to elevate and spiritualize, I'm not sure if there's a word spiritualize, but if we have to spiritualize, but there is now, we have to spiritualize all the areas of our lives, even the mundane, mundane areas of our lives, even things which are 100% permitted without any question whatsoever. You're allowed to eat breakfast, you're allowed to eat lunch, you're allowed to exercise, you're allowed to sleep, all of the things you're allowed to do, but what we want to do is we want to make all of those experiences, all of those activities, we want them to become Kodesh activities so that Torah will then permeate every aspect of our lives. That there won't be any area of our lives at any time during the day, any day of the year, which is not going to be infused with spirituality. And that's ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. And then he says that... Um, yeah, so now he says, skipping a little bit, he says... He says, he can say, now that we understand that there's these two ideas of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Aser Shem, time, where we're trying to elevate ourselves from sins, we're trying to move away from uh, actual sinful activity, and then the period of Pesach, Sfer, Saomer, all the way to Shavuos, where we're not going away from sinful activity, but we're trying to elevate the mundane areas of our lives. Again, the, the show people know that we talk about that the goal of life 
is not to sanctify the sanctified. You don't need to sanctify the sanctified. The goal of life is to sanctify the mundane. So that's really what our avoda is. That's what we focus our attention on during this time of the calendar between Pesach and Shavuos, what we call Sfira Saomer. And he says, now that we understand what our goal is, we can also, here's another important question that you could bring up at the Seder. There's chametz is an incredibly curious thing this time of year. The rest of the year, before Pesach, after Pesach, all the way until next year, Pesach. So we don't need to think about chametz at all. But when you think about it conceptually, and you hear drushas and divrei Torah, and you read about how bad chametz is when you read uh, about things this time of year, so it's it's curious because shemachaga Pesach asra Torah kokach kol inyane chametz. We know that when it comes to Pesach time, so chametz is taboo. We don't want to see it. We don't want it to be in our possession. We certainly don't want to eat it. We don't want to have anything to do with it whatsoever. No shaykhis, no relationship to chametz at all. We got to banish it from the house. We destroy it from our possession. We take all of these steps because chametz is bad, 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 bad. That's the theme. Chametz is bad. So that's what we're thinking about throughout this season. And he quotes the Rambam, which says, Mashma, so the implication is, Chametz is absolutely evil, and we should get rid of it. We shouldn't have any relationship with Chametz whatsoever. Okay, so what I come out of Pesach realizing is Chametz is bad. There's one lesson you're going to take with you from, uh, from Pesach. It's that Chametz is bad. Now what happens? Seven weeks later, then a mere seven weeks later, the Torah says, the Torah tells us that there's a special korban that we bring on Shavuos. That korban is called the Shteha Lechem, the two loaves. And amazingly, and really shockingly, the Torah goes out of its way to say that korban that you're going to bring on Shavuos, the special korban they bring on Shavuos, it's got to be made from chametz. It's got to be made from chametz. Seven weeks ago, you told me that chametz is bad, 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 bad. It's the root of all evil in the world is chametz. How can you come along a mere seven weeks later and say, HaKash Baruch Hu says, you know what? I want chametz. Put it on my Mizbeach. Offer it to me as a special offering for me in order to celebrate this Yantiv of Shuas. I thought we were staying away from chametz because chametz was bad. And now all of a sudden, HaKash Baruch Hu says, you know what? I'm chalishing for some chametz. You know, HaKash Baruch Hu says, I'm starving. To be awful. But even he goes out and says, so, but that, how, how does that work? That one, that one time it's terrible, and then suddenly it's something which is desirable. And not only that, he points out, the son points out, he says, the Torah itself, completely outside of the context of, of Pesach altogether, the Torah elsewhere says that Chomets, in terms of Korbanos, is bad, because it says, the Pasuk says, we read it in last week's Parsha, meaning Vayikra, so one of the things which we say is that Kosh Baruch Hu says, you're not allowed to put chametz on the Mizbeach. I don't want chametz. No chametz on the Mizbeach whatsoever. Whenever we talk about a korban mincha, we always talk, which we talk about often enough, so korban mincha is almost by definition non-chametz. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, we have this passage which says, Seor, sourdough, or leavened dough, I don't want that to go onto the Mizbeach at all. 
So here, the general rule of the Mizbech is we don't put chametz on the Mizbech because the Kesh Baruch Hu says, I don't want chametz. It's artificially inflated. It's artificial colors and artificial preservatives and artificial, artificial, artificial. It's not the real deal. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I don't want that Amai Mizbech ever, except for the Yantif of Shuas. The Yantif of Shuas, suddenly HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want chametz. I want you to bring me a korban of chametz. So how do we understand that? Either chametz is good or it's bad. How could it sometimes is, is good, sometimes is bad? So what exactly is the, is the story? Dim chametz mizbeach. And if we take the pasuk from last week's parsha seriously and literally, that says we're not supposed to offer a korban of chametz on mizbeach, So why is it that when it comes all of a sudden to the special korban that we that we offer on shavuos, all of a sudden the command is I want chametz. You told me you don't like chametz. You told me explicitly when you introduced the parsha of, of, of a, a korban mincha, a flower-based korban, you told me that you don't want it to be chametz. So why all of a sudden now comes Shua Saimz HaKadosh Baruch Hu say, I want it to be that way? So, uh, also, as I said, an important steer, an important thing to, uh, to consider after spending a whole week, after preparing in advance of Pesach, and then spending a whole week staying away from chametz, why all of a sudden does chametz become this desirable thing? So he says that Achain Merumas Amr. So what the idea is is that we're alluding to something we said before, the Kai Al Hanal. That really what the Torah is hinting to over here, what it's trying to express and share with us in the perspective we're supposed to have is these two ideas, Hanikraim Lechem. That there are two areas of our life which are referred to as bread, two. Uh, uh, um, uh, physical areas of our life, and that is that before you could go ahead and you could purify and you could uh, elevate these two areas. So the first thing we're going to say is the iser chametz cannot be there. We have we cannot have chametz over there because until we have elevated ourselves, until we have. Um, uh, uh, spiritualize ourselves until we've made ourselves a, and refined ourselves. So chametz is something which would have a harmful effect. That's why it's during that time that we're not yet at the our, our peak uh, uh, place where we're supposed to be spiritually. During those times, chametz could bring us down. They could be distracting. It could bring us down. And then sha'az tzarchlios etzlok hidavrish and during that time that we're working on things, so then it has to be that chametz has to be something that it cannot exist at all. It cannot be there at all, because if chametz mixes in as we're trying to elevate ourselves, so then that's going to become intertwined, intermingled, and it's going to make filthy what the uh, what we're trying to uh, what we're trying to accomplish, and we're not going to be able to reach our goal. And that's because kikol od. Sorry, kikol od. Because as long as a Jew finds himself uh, uh, descended into the 49th level of defilement, the 49th level of Tuma, so during that period of time, so a person is not going to be able to elevate to Hashem, any of the activities which involve indulgement, which involve yearning, any of those physical pleasures. 
So while a person is still muddied, as it were, in the in the uh, the areas of in, in, in the tuma, in the, uh, the the depths of tuma, so a person is not going to be able to fully experience and fully appreciate what uh, could be accomplished with these levels of tahara. What uh, with the uh, to uh, and, and they cannot utilize summits effectively. Aval, but acharei taras hamidos shoyemeasfira, but once the person has elevated their character, they've uplifted, they've refined their character during this period of Sirius Omer, where now they see that the mundane uh, aspects of their lives could be infused with Kedusha, could be infused with holiness and sanctity and all of that. Where a person has already elevated himself from these indulgencies in these physical pleasures, to the point where one is able to see that there's no aspect of our lives which is intended to be devoid of spirituality and devoid of holiness and devoid of sanctity. Once we appreciate that because of the efforts that we put in during the 49 days of, uh, of, uh, of Sfirah, at that point, we're capable of even using chametz as something which is going to be productive. So I've been thinking throughout the day of a good uh, of a good marshal, which I haven't come up with uh, yet. But there are some things which uh, initially to go ahead and try and use that is something which is going to be helpful. So it would actually prove to be harmful. But you reach a certain point where you're elevated, and then you could go ahead and you could take those things which surround you, and you could use them effectively, you could use them for growth as well. It could also ultimately be a stepping stone towards higher spiritual heights, which at lower levels, one would not be able to do. So, I mean, you could say something like, uh, you know, eating food. So for most people, food is not seen as a spiritual uh, experience, and one could run the risk of, uh, of, uh, of indulging, and as a result of that, not uh, being able to uh, uh, take from the experience of eating all of the potential spiritual uh, spirituality which which is present. But once one reaches this very high level, where they've refined themselves and they are able to see how all areas of their life, even the mundane areas of their life, are part of avodas Hashem, then everything which they do then becomes part of. This is the uh, the pursuit that they are supposed to uh, that that they are supposed to uh, supposed to do. They, they uh, it's a worthwhile pursuit from which they could grow. Shekasher Yehudi Magia L'Shvus. Once a Jew reaches the Yantif of Shvus, Umidosav Tahoros Karaui, and the person has done the effort in order to be able to. Um, uh, they've. Uh, worked on their character, they worked on their personality, and made themselves into better, more spiritual people, uh, seeing that the mundane aspects of lives, such as eating and driving carpool and shopping and cooking and all of those things are really spiritual experiences, then that person, such a person is going to then be able to infuse spirituality and sanctity, into every aspect of their lives. No part of their lives is going to be is going to be devoid of kedusha, devoid of sanctity and holiness. And now they could even take something which for most people is bad, 
and they could go ahead and they could take chametz and they could use that effectively and they could use that to grow and build their relationship with Hashem there also. And he says, that Omro, and this ultimately is the goal when we say, Usfartem Lachem. That, that's what he talked about at the beginning of this section, that Usfartem Lachem is not simply this idea that we're going to count 49 days, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to beautify and we're trying to make into a, a gem, a beautiful stone, a valuable stone, a precious stone, even the mundane aspects of our lives. That should also be another jewel in our crown in terms of our relationship with Hashem. Because only then will we be able to then infuse Kedusha into all the areas of our lives, every aspect of our lives, so that nothing should be separate and apart from our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's ultimately, that's what we're trying to accomplish. That is the marching orders, as we said before, for this period of time of Svira Saomer, in order to be able to elevate and sanctify all areas of our life. And then he concludes, and he says, His last thought about this is, We can understand this in terms of what Chazal say, Famous Chazal, HaKash Baruch Hu says, listen, I'm the one who created the Yitzhahara. HaKash Baruch Hu takes credit for that, takes responsibility for that. I'm the one who created the Yitzhahara. But I didn't create the Yitzhahara simply to go ahead and be a stumbling block for you. But at the same time that I created the Yitzhahara, I also created Torah, which is the antidote to the Yitzhahara. By infusing one's life with Torah, so that is going to shield and that is going to protect one from the Yitzhahara. The Yitzhahara isn't going to be able to penetrate and isn't going to be able to break through that barrier if we find ourselves surrounded by Torah and surrounded ourselves with with the, the spiritual elevation which is needed in order to be a worthy recipient of the Torah. So if we put in the effort through Sphiris Omer, we elevate ourselves, we become worthy recipients of the Torah. Once we are worthy recipients of the Torah, that provides us with that shield, which is going to help us manage the Yitzhahara as the Yitzhahara tries to uh, tries to attack and tries to bring us down. And therefore he says, therefore, being that Torah ultimately is going to be the antidote. So what does that mean when it's before Shavuos? In between Pesach and Shavuos, which is before Kabbalah Satorah, so we don't have the Torah yet to go ahead and protect us. So therefore, before we receive the Torah, where we don't have the antidote, we don't have the vaccine, if we're still far, if we're far enough away from uh, COVID to be able to talk about that, but if we don't yet have the vaccine to inoculate ourselves from the Yitzhahara yet, then, so at that time, we're not allowed to bring a korban from chametz because at that point, that will cause an infection. That will cause things to be, to be bad because we're not yet, we're not uh, inoculated where the chametz, which is there, is not going to be harmful. So if we take the chametz prematurely, so then it's something which could be very bad for us at that time, and that would be something which is, uh, which is not good. Ki adayin iaf shalatar inyanam elu betachlis, because it, well, while we're in the process of growing, 
while we're in the process of learning how to infuse spirituality into our lives. So at that point, we're not yet skilled enough to be able to take those things which are potentially dangerous spiritually, like chametz, meaning Yetzirah, and to be able to use that effectively in order to be able to grow. So it's a very hard thing for a person to be able to utilize their Yetzirah and to be able to harness it for good. That takes something which is a, a very difficult, a very high level for a person to be able to achieve, and that's the danger which we have when we are like in uh, Pesach. If you think about it, I'm sure everybody has heard the idea that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Mitzrayim, I think we say it in Haggadah explicitly, so it's as if he was a, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was a doula, and he went ahead and he delivered Klai Yisrael from the womb of Mitzrayim. So we were initially developed as a nation. We went into Mitzrayim 210 years earlier as a family, some sons, some daughters-in-law, some grandchildren and whatnot. And then 210 years later, so with this entire enormous nation, 600,000 men, 3, 3 million, including the women and the children. So somehow over 210 years, we grew from 70 to, uh, to millions of, of people. And when Akash Baruch Hu takes us out, so the nature of a newborn baby is, a newborn baby doesn't have the, uh, the ability to fight off infection. So infections at that point would be something which would be, which would be very uh, dangerous. And therefore, the Yitzhahara cannot come. That's why we, as he talked about earlier, that Akash Baruch Hu didn't want to take us through the land of Klishtim. Because if we were there, since we were not yet inoculated, we weren't yet vaccinated against the Sahara, as soon as something troubling and something challenging would come along, we would, you know, get a spiritual infection and we'd run back to Mitzrayim. So that would be something which is very bad. We're not capable of utilizing the Sahara for its purpose to motivate us and to drive us until we actually uh, uh, elevate ourselves and reach the level where we are at Kabbalah Satorah. So for that reason, HaKash Baruch Hu says on, on Pesach, Chametz is bad, bad, bad. The Yitzhahara is bad. You cannot try and utilize the Yitzhahara for something which is good when you're not yet inoculated and you're not yet protected from it, then it's not going to co- cause harm. But when Shavuos comes along and we've done the work and we've elevated ourselves and we refined ourselves and we've infused ourselves with spirituality, so then, and then once we receive the Torah, so Rak Torah, once we are at the level where we are worthy recipients of the Torah, then we can go ahead and we can offer this special korban, which we bring only Shavuos time, a korban which is made of chametz, which is comprised of chametz. So we're able to take the Yetzirah, and we've now we're on such a high spiritual level that even the Yetzirah is something that we could utilize in order to grow and develop our relationship and our closeness with Hashem. Korban Mechudash, and that's why it's considered to be a Milcha Chadasha. It's a totally novel type of Korban, because it doesn't really exist any other time during the year, because any other time during the year, there's an Isra to Bechametz on the Mizbeach. It's only Shavuos time that we have the ability to do so, because we've done so much work elevating ourselves and growing and working on ourselves, that we're at such a high spiritual level that even the Yetzirah now becomes a tool towards better avodas Hashem. And that's a uniquely uh, Shavuos type of thing. Shafilu Sa'or Devash, Yecholim Kvar Lahakter Yishel Hashem, because we're on such a high level that we know exactly how to manage even the evil of chametz and even the evil of sweets. 
uh, like uh, like honey, and we could even manage that and utilize that in our avodas Hashem. And that's ultimately the goal which we're trying to uh, to achieve. But you have to remember that ultimately everything begins with the first seder, because the first seder, what Hakadosh Baruch Hu does is he pulls back the curtain. He's the one who shows us how close we can get to him, how much spirituality we are going to be able to infuse into our lives. And only once he goes out and shows us exactly what our potential is and what we could accomplish, then we know the next 49 days, this is the work that we're going to do in order to try and replicate that through our own efforts, not through God walking us through, but through our own efforts of being able to do so. And that's what we are, uh, that's hopefully what we will be able to achieve through that period of time, through those 50 days, beginning with the first night of Pesach at the Seder, all the way until Shuas, where we, we see we, it's the ultimate, the final destination of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim to be able to receive the Torah, to be able to be infused with Kedusha and Tahara, and to be able to really develop our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to be able to re- develop the relationship that exists within ourselves so that there should not be such a thing as a mundane area of our lives, that everything that we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, should always be a sense of avodas Hashem, a sense of service of Hashem, feeling that closest and that everything we're doing is accomplishing, uh, is accomplishing great things. Okay, so that is this uh, piece from the, uh, from the Sonomer here. So...